0: Hey guys, this is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um so thanks to everybody who listened to the last episode that was all about the hunchback of Notre Dame and um a silent voice. If you're like what the what the fuck, go go listen to that episode. Go listen to why. Japan had to make a sequel to Hunchback and No Sean. That is an apology for that fucking movie. Um, (laughs) But on that note, um, what I wanted to actually talk about this week is a movie I didn't get to because 2020 pandemic nonsense and I was not going into a theater in New York to see an anime movie at the risk of my own Life, um, and that movie is Demon Slayer: Mookin Train. Now, the last thing I wanted to say before we get into this is this might be coming out a little bit later than normal and I might be a little bit more beleaguered than normal because I had to go get a whole new fucking phone because my phone slipped into a hell loop that it could not get out of in the late afternoon so I had to go spend an hour and a half at my carrier store and it it sucks. But on a totally different note, I wanted. I was really interested in the Mugen Train movie because I I heard two sides of the story about the Mugen Train movie from about the Demon Slayer movie, and that is, and those two sides are a, it's a masterpiece. You should go see it, without question, and B it's it's a visual feast it's amazingly well produced but it's not it doesn't feel as groundbreaking as it should so for a little context as to why the bogan train movie probably happened it's a probably it's a really really good um Implementation of the kind of Seasonal structure That um, Shonen anime has taken On Lately because if you Weren't if, if you're new To anime or relatively new to anime The big shonen Anime used to be These Like ever running ever present Never stopping For no one or no thing shows things like one piece one piece is now is the like grand survivor of this. If you've ever noticed One Piece doesn't really have a seasonal structure. It just keeps fucking going. It, it it never really stops. And all the shonen all the big shonen titles used to be like that. Dragon Ball Z used to be like that. Um what's it called? Dragon um Bleach Bleach used to be like that. And so Naruto was like that. Boruto seems like it is like that. Um, but what that meant was you didn't have any break for the audience. It was just produced constantly. Um, but, and A, that always made some hilarious, like, season 45 disc sets um, that would come out of all the American like, DVD, Blu-ray releases. But what kind of... What My Hero Academia does now, which is, like, they have definable seasons. It's usually... Each season is usually a two-core season, and they take breaks in between the cores, but they still... The way they usually... is they start the season off with a, like a non sequitur, like OVA, the equivalent of an OVA episode. and the end, the season with an OVA episode. The most recent OVA episode they ended on with a like Christmas special, that are the self-contained things that, get, that let, give you some time to spend with the characters. And actually, I talked about this in the previous Sunday edition, that um, of the one about. To hunt Factor Notre Dame and um, A Silent Voice, in that they give themselves space to do really fun and interesting things in those um, that are world building, world building wide in those OBA episodes. But Demon Slayer presented a unique opportunity, in that it has an arc structure just the way lots of shounen anime has but it had a but had a had a fairly long arc it had a couple arcs It, it has pretty short arcs pretty short arcs that could lend themselves to pretty that lent themselves to make up one full season so you have the like training arc and then you have the um the like village arc, and then you have the um, Mount Hanagumo arc, basically. And then after the Mount Hanagumo arc, you have another training arc, and then you go into in the manga the Mugen train arc where you um meet the flame. Where you, the where it is, if you've seen the Mugen train, by the way, spoiler for this movie and the manga, I guess. Um, if you See the Mugen. If you've seen any of the Mugen Train arc, it is a pretty contained thing. But what's also unique is that it meets it meets the technical criteria of the of a jump movie. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, the Naruto movies are probably the best example of this. Actually, the Bleach movies are also a great examples of this. Shonen Jump movies, Shonen Jump property movies, have to do one thing primarily, and that is they have to not fuck up the the other parts of the story. Which means you need to have a set of characters who will exist only in those movies, and who will be gone pretty quickly thereafter, aside from your main cast. Your main cast can go through the movie process and come out the other side and be fine. Um your main your main supporting rather. Now what that means is that you can't have a story that reaches a whole lot into the main plot of the show. And generally speaking you have characters or- are specifically made for that movie, for that reason of, like, you can't, you can't have a villain that you're going to care about again ever. Like, they need to be done and gone by the time you get out of this movie. Now, we'll get to how the Mugen Train arc deals with some of its deep connections to the rest of the series, in a minute, because that was actually fairly unique and interesting. But, for the most part, the Mugen Train arc in the manga is very self-contained. Like, they they, they go through the thing and they're done. Run, um, Rangaku, the Flame Hashira, die, dying is also an interesting choice for the arc in the manga, as well as the arc in the in the as well as the movie, because what that makes it, what that makes him is that makes him like a unique supporting cast member for a film basically and the other thing about the movie train arc is that it 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 lends itself to the high budgetness of Animating for film, which, if you have no idea, um, it's a great way way to familiar yourself with a theatrical budget of a show versus a TV budget of a show is to go watch, um, an episode of Pokemon and then go watch a like the equivalent of the same amount that's like 20 minutes of, let's say, like Pokemon the first movie, and you see. The difference of like, oh, the animes had more time on this, they spent more time on this. they had a bigger budget, the color range is wider, the color range is truer. All these really specific things that happen that get to happen on a theatrical budget that but didn't get to happen on say an episode budget on an episode by episode based budget, and so that's a huge reason for. Any animation studio and any property to want to be in film. If you go watch the... Um, I did a podcast on this movie, Bleach Memories of Nobody, which is the first Bleach movie. There are some stunning cuts of animation in that film. It's like, like nothing else you've ever seen in Bleach ever. Even a Bleach opening... Barely hold the fucking candle to some of the just like moments of animation in that film. And what that, and that was because it was not only Bleach's, not only a movie for Bleach, but Bleach's first movie. It was Bleach's stepping out into, stepping out of the TV and on to, stepping off the TV and on to the big screen. It was a huge deal. And... This is where I think... The bulk of the good of... um, The Mugen Train movie is. It is a stunningly beautiful movie. And it is an opportunity for you to get to see all your favorite characters. Or a lot of... It, all of your favorite characters, actually. Just no, With the exception of maybe... Orishiki Doji. Um, who's personally my favorite freaking character of that show. Um, pissed off old man hiding from the world. Because if he doesn't... People who hate him may hunt down and kill his loved ones. Um, but it's a chance for you to get to see all of your favorite characters, um, including Shinobu and, like, all the Hashira, in, like, in the glorious, high-budget theatrical realm. And also, by the way, you can go watch... I watched this. I tweeted out that I watched it, too. Or I um, post about it on Instagram that I watched it in my um, home theater. But the thing about this movie is that it is a chance to see all those characters in like the glorious cinematic budget on the biggest screen you can figure out how to put it on. But it... So I'm up to minds of the movie itself, other than the artistic quality of it, which is beautiful. First, I think, why does this thing exist? And then I remember it exists because it's a central plot point in the story, but it's not as a contained arc. It's not even as big. It doesn't even feel as big as the um, disappearing girl town arc that we had towards the beginning. It doesn't feel as... Which was, with that that earlier arc about the girls who were disappearing underground, were just being tugged underground by, like, the weird, like, brooch-collecting demons, um, were, was small enough to be towards the beginning, and it was a great introduction into Tanjiro as a now newly-minted Demon Slayer. But what ended up, what ended up happening with the moving train arc is because it's so small, because it's so to the point, it doesn't give you much to work with in terms of making an expanded, like, core of a season. And and it's you're too far into the, what we now know is the story of um. Demon Slayer, to really make it make sense as an introductory thing. So it makes a lot of programming sense for it to be a film. It also makes a lot of like theatrical presentation sense for it to be a film because you basically have a really fucked up track room fight for this entire thing. For most of this thing, until you get to the um, upper three demon, who is a great design. That fight is gorgeous. It's really dynamic and interesting, and um, the flame, the like treatment of the flame Hashira is beautiful. But the thing about So this Demon Slayer of the property knows how to characterize like a tender soul and knows how to and knows how to convey the the emotionality of its characters even a character like Shinobu who is very classic like Cheery warrior, like uh, Azumi Chiribayashi is a great um, example from a really old show um, called Real Bot High School. It's these like very smiley, very sweet, very soft, um, usually female warrior types who are actually just furious, but they're like ladylike. So they're just very quietly furious and beautiful and aloof. And they they managed to convey a, like, state of being for that character that is really, that's really difficult. And they did it with the recognition of Tanjiro, using Tanjiro as kind of, like, the emotional... Trigger slash conduit for that section of that of that um training arc where they're all stuck at Shinobu's Medical Compound training until they can get better. And the biggest problem I had with this movie was I didn't. The, at least for me watching it. It did not feel like it had that much weight. And I don't... I'm not saying they shouldn't have figured out how to do a movie. But one of the reasons why they do... Why, generally speaking, even My Hero Academia, which is a contemporary of... um, which is like a a peer series to Demon Slayer at this point, does... When they choose to do movies, what they've done, I believe two now, they choose an anime original. I mean, they go so far as to remove the entire main cast, meaning Class One A, from like the whole of wherever they are. They like put them on an island, basically, and say like, "Oh, everything fucked up can happen in this island." Meaning we don't need to deal with the ramifications of "Oops, we broke Tokyo," but we can't talk about that cause it's in the movie. And we don't want to assume that you've seen the movie um and by doing by doing the demons by doing the, Mug, the Mugen the train arc as a movie where're still connected to the other to the other parts of this show it's not like it's not like. You get spending time in the theater with these characters, and then you it's understood this is with a whole separate thing. like they place it in the timeline, but they don't want you to think about it too much is a difficult choice because what that means is the ideal way to watch this movie is you watch it immediately after you're done with this series. So if I was going to suggest a way to watch this movie, what I would do, and I hope it stays on streaming for a while because you'd be able to do this, is I would watch the whole of the show, and then I would go into the movie, and then you'd be caught up for the next season of the show. The thing about this movie is that it's... It's required. It, it basically required viewing in a way that most shonen jump movies all, all aren't on purpose. Because if you, it, the what they set up at the end of the movie, if you don't have that information going into the next season, they're gonna have to have a expedition dump. It's gonna have to happen. It's gonna have to be fairly. And they're going to have to flash back into this movie, I would bet, because what Ranjiku says is, like, oh, there's there's records on the former Flame Hatra in my family's home. I never read them because I never cared. But I bet you find something there, basically what he says at the end of the movie when he's dying. Once again, spoiler alert for this movie and the manga. As a result, but and maybe this is because like I, for a while on the um on the Shonen Jump digital vault thing, they had only up to the end of the Mugen Train arc on on like for you to read online as part of your two dollar subscription thing. Did not include all of Demon's Flight because it's been a year since the thing has completed. Um, But so, like, I read up to that, and then they skipped to like chapter 194 or something. I was like, um, there's definitely important stuff in the middle here that I'm not getting. I'm gonna wait. And then they came out with this movie, and what the result? I don't. A I don't remember. I remember some of what they detailed. Actually, I remember all of what they detail out about the Flame Flamehajurath path. But it... In the manga, because you are understood that you're going to continue to read the story, and you've just read Shinobu's... And you've just read Shinobu's thing... You just read Shinobu's chapter beforehand, like, storyline beforehand... You get the understanding that you're going the pattern that you're going to get here is you're going to meet a Hashra and you're going to find out more about that Hashra, which means that eventually you'll meet like Love, Mist, Snake, Wind, and Stone. Also, the sound to the sound Hashra, I believe. Um, but the that's a that's a character building pattern in the same way that let you familiarize yourself with the character and then kill the character in a character building pattern. Now, they did that here, but because you as a viewer have the understanding of like, oh, they did that with Shinobu, and Shinobu's still very much alive and kicking ass, makes it less cheap, makes the treatment of the Flame Hashira, I think his name is... Is um, Rango Rangoku um makes him feel less cheap. The other unfortunate thing about Rangoku is that he's like his character type doesn't it doesn't lend itself to much viewer empathy because he's this like wide eyed bull in a china shop, super earnest like takes like uh, taken super straight laced like badass swordsman and it doesn't that combined with the style of voice acting it doesn't until he's in the until he's late in the fight with um with the with the number three with the upper three Um, demon from um Mizuan's like commander, that mask never breaks, and so you have this like you have all this stuff happening on this train, you have a bad guy who's like a sadistic, androgynous, like dream eater demon person and then you have this like basically a force of nature with two big bright wide eyes just blowing through this train up back and forth constantly and it feels very odd right up until you get to after the train crashes and the essentially back third of the movie is him versus this upper third, um, the upper one of the upper third of the twelve kizuki, and he just ate. He dies. The, the upper third of the twelve kizuki ends up running away because of the sunrise, and almost dies, but the. The whole thing feels has this emotional void feel. And actually, so I wanted to bring this back up. On my um, interview, on my episode, on my Sunday episode, with my interview with um, Taylor, a.k.a. Cosplay Fiend, which I still encourage you to go listen to if you haven't. I talked about this part, this like section of anime that was right around when, like, surprise, surprise, Akami, Akami Got Kill and um Tokyo Ghoul came out, where I felt like I was going nuts. Because I kept trying to watch stuff, and there was no connective tissue to anything. It was all just, like going through the motions and not quite meeting the needs of the moment. Or the needs of whatever story it was trying to tell. Um, Tokyo Ghoul is a great example of that. That thing is not a story, it is a tone poem. I did an episode about that. You can find it in the feed of this podcast. But what ends up happening is like the emotional weight of those of all those shows is robbed of it because it doesn't have the story attached to it. But nonetheless, like people whose, their first anime was a Kamiga kill. You can find a thing in there. Like if you're looking hard enough, it, if if you're there for it, it's there, it's there to give it to you, but it's by no means good. And it, it no means like a subtle, thoughtful story. Also, there's so many plot holes in that thing. The main character wears a sweater vest in medieval time. I said to Taylor, halfway through that show, they start talking about experience, experience points. Like, they're trying to back into being a, a trapped in a video game isekai. And I'm like, excuse you? But long story short on that is, that's a little bit of how it felt watching the Mugen Train movie because it is clearly a story beats disconnected into a film by design and because it kind of needed to be that the only time you've seen Rajiku the Flame Hashira before this is as one, as one of many, as one of all the Hashira you meet, um, right before um, Tanjiro goes to Shinobu's um, com, like medical compound, and you don't, you don't get to spend a lot of time with the Hashira. Up until Shin- up until Shinobu, you meet them briefly, but you don't get to spend a lot of time with them. And the thing with Shinobu, it's like they dip you into her world, like basically everybody for that whole arc for the whole like um, training arc at her health compound. Everybody that all the that you know Tanjiro, Zenitsu, and um, with his face um, the boar guy, meet, are all, like, basically her employees. They're, like, her underlings. And so she's this constant presence, and you learn about her through the environment itself. And then when and that builds up to a point where she tells you, where she tells you, the viewer, and Tanjiro, like, her backstory, which is also delivered, I believe, by her, like, Um, understudy as well and you it feels built up naturally in Mugen Train um, Ranjiku's um, or Ranjiku's I think his name is um, backstory it feels very clear that it's being given to you to make you care about him And for him to be not there at the end, and so it just, like I said at the beginning, I understand why they made this movie, this arc a movie functionally, because it's not big enough. It's it feels important enough because you are dealing with like one of the big badasses in this show. But it's not long enough where that badass character is there for enough episodes before not only they disappear, but disappear from the show itself could they die. Or the property itself could they die. And the result is, like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you did this as, like, I don't know, six episodes, thing. It would be a little bit too, it would probably be a little bit too padded it would take too long it would, it would take a while but wouldn't take long enough and you would also like you'd see a, a named main supporting character die and I think one of the things that they could have done for um, and they're doing this actually for um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Is one of the things they could have done for Demon Slayer, and they still may yet do it, is they could have done a kind of contextualizing of Tanjiro's past as a movie. And if you know anything about the um. Jujutsu Kaisen movie is Jujutsu Kaisen movie is a prequel to the show and if I had to guess I'd guess that that will be much more successful because the show has never suffered from the clear things that it's not telling you and the manga for Jujutsu Kaisen has a prequel manga that exists that you can go read right now to give you more context to um all the characters and their like relationships with each other and themselves. But it avoids that doing that avoids the problem of doing it with a story element where the show itself, we are in the middle of the actual show. And that's a big problem that I think happened with the Mugen Train movie. I think that it's an aesthetically beautiful movie. It's like from minute one to minute, from the first minute to the last minute, first frame to last frame. It's stunning. And it also, it like, it uses all the beauty, it like, has the same kind of beautiful sense of background music and what's happening going on on screen and going on in on an audio level in the as the background music that is absolutely gorgeous and stunning and has been there and has always been there in the um show itself but the thing is is that it can't once again it's, it it is doing what it could have what could have happened in a TV show but it's doing it that way necessarily because there's not enough content there or it doesn't feel like there's enough content there for it to be a TV show without being unnecessarily um dragged out so on on that score it It does what it needs to do, but, and it doesn't overstay, it doesn't really overstay its welcome when you're thinking, oh shit, what are they going to do for the next half hour? Because this movie has a half hour left, is when you encounter the upper three character, and you have that whole thing for the rest of the movie, and then you and then you, and then you're out. It's about a two, it's a two hour ride, so just be prepared for that. But um it just doesn't feel it just, this this storyline doesn't doesn't really feel like it could have supported a whole, you know, anime arc, even a small anime arc, but it doesn't quite feel big enough for film. And because you are because you are so disconnected and I don't think this is just me saying this as a person who took a while to see the movie, but I think this is probably true of everybody because it, it would have been one thing if like a couple months after, if like maybe a month after this show wrapped, you got a movie immediately. So you were so the show first seasons of the show was clear in your head. But I think that I really do think the way that this movie works is if you treat it like a big ass OBA episode and you watched the whole show and then you watched a movie and then you'd watch whatever comes next, because that makes it feel more in kind with the story because it is a connected story beat in a way that like this is on the path to to where Tanjiro ultimately ends up going. And as a result, it doesn't feel like the the production quality is for the big screen, but the story doesn't feel like it needs to be there. Um, and like I said, it is it is gorgeous. It sounds amazing. It looks amazing. The animation flows beautifully. Uh, it, the only thing I would say that contributed to my feeling of like, oh, this is just a TV show on a big screen, if they did do some of the like gaggy stuff, like the weird badly drawn character gag stuff, that I just might not. I might not have um, indulged in. If I was making a huge movie, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, no, that we should, we should keep that style of like exaggerated, badly drawn characters to the TV because it's funny there, and it feels, it feels of a part of a TV budget there. We don't need to do this." We can have this gag reel as them all their real selves because it makes more it makes more sense and also we got money to burn. Um. So. I think that it. And I didn't. I want to be clear. I didn't come in with a bias this movie. I didn't come in thinking like, oh, I'm gonna craft the demon slayer movie. I came in with the. With having heard that it's very good, but also having heard that maybe it wasn't as good as it would have been if the, if the movie was something entirely different. Because and that's the that's the thing with a lot, and that's the other thing with shonen jump movies is because the way shonen the shonen formula is. List is in general and the way that like Jujutsu Kaisen um, something like Ushio and Tora from a couple seasons back which was actually a remake. remake um, or um even Demon Slayer play with and use the different tropes of a shonen of a shonen jump shonen action show means that there's no real opportunity for movies to really pop up all that often in something like say Bleach, or say, um, say um, what's it called, say Naruto, or any of the other Shonen properties, or even a um, shojo property like um, Sailor Moon had kind of the same problem. Now, you could sit and stare at those, the whole of those shows and be like, yeah, yeah, you can actually use this part of the movie, blah, 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 blah. But that was one of the reasons. But those shows not really having space for that, even though they were so big, is one of the reasons why you get movies like One Piece Strong World, why you get movies like um, the, the Naruto movies, or, or granted, later on, the Dragon Ball V movies. Actually, not even later on. Like, they had early Dragon Ball V movies. Like, bro, like the first Brawley and shit. But the... I don't think I've ever really seen a... Or even a perfect example is the Pokemon movies. The Pokemon movies are the worst at this because they go to regions you've never fucking heard of for like a picnic. And then all of a sudden they're fighting a fucking half lava, half geyser fucking dinosaur that wants to murder the magnet that wants to murder this magnet lady over here. And it. the reason they did that is because they wanted something that was tailor made for a movie that, that fans could watch at any point. So you don't, and one of the big, and one of the big, like huge deals about the, um, the first Pokemon movie was they introduced new Pokemon in that movie. That was one of the like draws of that movie which was a huge deal because they were making like substantive they were making substantive um, additions to the Pokemon universe for keeps in the movie. But other than that, it was, you could largely watch that movie whenever and those Pokemon got introduced in the next, in, like, the following generation of Pokemon. So, um, in the second generation of Pokemon. So, it wasn't that big a deal. Whereas, the Demon Slayer movie is a core plot point of the story. It's core core plot points of the story. And you're dumped, and so when you come in as a viewer from into the second season, you'll be dumped in with characters who basically have had character development functionally between season one and season two and there's this Demon Slayer movie that is a actual plot connector. Now one of the reasons that they don't that you don't do this is because if you want your show, show to have longevity, you need to make it easy for people to watch. And the Demon Slayer, as a property, if you want, if all like, let's say they've got three seasons in this movie, actually probably more like four. You basically have to treat the season. You basically have to treat the season, the movie more like a season because you need that story information to get from first to second to third to fourth. So what you actually have is five is five seasons, except one is just a movie. And that's a little confusing if you are, say, in the year 2028 watching Demon Slayer for the first time. Once you get to Once you get to the end of season one, do you go to season two or do you go to this movie? Now, I'm sure that there'll be people ready to answer that question without a freaking care or pause in the world, but it's still more complicated than it needs to be to watch the whole of a thing. If you want all of One Piece in anime form, you go start at number one, you watch all the way up to, like, number 500 or whatever the fuck they're at. And it... It, um... It makes cognitive sense. You don't need to go watch the movies. You know, One Piece Film Gold is fabulous. It is not necessary. Um, But on that note, if you like this podcast, I'm sorry, it's a bit odd. I'm actually recording this and releasing this from on and from my phone this week. But if you like this podcast, um, you, new episodes come out every third day and Friday. Third day are um, shows like this where I talk about a movie or a show. Um, or it's third day and Sunday. Sundays are more metatextual like or more fandom based like my interview with um cosplay scenes, which once again you should totally go listen to. But until Sunday, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio and I'll talk to you then.